0: Now, let's hear from God's Word about how marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Good morning, Journey. So, you just saw Tommy and Rachel Wall and would ask you to be praying for them. Uh, Tommy's mother passed away. She was 101, and she passed away on Friday and the visitation's tonight and the funeral's tomorrow, so just be praying for Tommy and his family as they go through this time, and just to stand with them in prayer and and love on them. I I hope that you'll take the opportunity to talk with Daniel and Carol more. Uh, One of the things here at Journey is we don't just have missionaries. We have family that are serving in other parts of the world, and we're honored to be able to come alongside and help with that, and so we love to hear when God is working there and what God is doing, and so we rejoice with them and uh, pray for them as they get ready to go back because God is definitely using them there in the land of New Zealand. And I don't know if you picked up on it because I learned something this past week when we were talking. Did you hear how they refer to the people of New Zealand as kiwis? I thought kiwi was just fruit. And so some people will come over, they were talking about to New Zealand and say, we'd like to eat some kiwi. And the people of New Zealand kind of look like, are you cannibalistic? Because kiwi is people, Kiwi is their state bird. Kiwi is a fruit. Pretty much, if you go to New Zealand and you don't know what to call it, call it Kiwi and you're good, okay? But we are honored to partner along with them. And we're so glad that you're here. And let me tell you, God is just doing a a, a great work in marriages. And regardless of where you're at in your relationship, if you're single and are not married then these are truths you need to look at for what to look for in your spouse. If you're already married, then here's the opportunity to come and say, how can we make our marriage better? If you're divorced, this marriage is for you. Because you've seen the hurt, you've experienced the pain, and God is trying to show you that what He designed marriage to be. So wherever you're at, God wants you to understand His truth and know that when He created marriage, It's a God thing, but he meant for it to be a good thing. And so we're going to get back into looking at marriage, a covenant, not a contract. Just a reminder, a contract is simply a legal agreement between two people, two businesses, and simply enforceable by law. But that's not marriage. Marriage is a covenant because it's between God and his people. And so when you get married, you stand before a pastor or you stand before uh, an official of the state and you say, in these witnesses and before God, we commit these vows. Because God authored marriage. It wasn't a man thing, it's a God thing. And so last week, we started out by talking about the power of the triangle. Now, to all of my teacher friends out there, this is something that is life-changing. They make fat-tip markers right there. And so last week, I know some were like, I had a hard time seeing. I promise you it's better today because I discovered fat-tip markers. So teachers, invest in them. They're great. They're about 15 bucks for four. It's worth it. Okay, plug over. So last week we talked about the power of the triangle. before anything was God. God was before it all, right? In the beginning, God. God created man, and I'm going to use this word today. He created man, and He saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So therefore, He took from the man a rib, and God made woman, for this case, the wife. And He brought... Eve before Adam, Adam saw that this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and therefore marriage came about. The power of the triangle is not a cute little schematic for us to look at. There is truth. And last week we talked about the things that try to get in and try to break up the marriage. We try to see that we try to treat marriage as if it's a contract that when I'm no longer happy or when I think you fulfilled your obligations, my obligations, that we say it's done, but it's before God. And we looked at Matthew 19, where Jesus gives to the Pharisees what marriage is, and he sticks exactly what was back in Genesis 2. God's opinion, God's view on marriage has not changed, okay? It's still the same. So when we look at this, we see the power of the triangle that when you're married, there's actually three people involved, the husband, the wife, and God, and that's why it's a covenant, not a contract. But now we look and say, Randy, I get it, and last week I, I understood that I wasn't taking my marriage like God wanted me to, and so I, I get it. How, how do I change that? Well, today we're going to look at something that I, I bet you haven't thought about. Because a lot of times in marriages, we try to change marriage by this, I'll be better, I'll do more, I'll help out around the house, I won't spend as much money, I will tell you I love you more. We try to do all of these things. But just as it is in salvation, you don't get saved by doing things. You do things because you're saved, right? We don't have to get ourselves cleaned up before God saves us. God saves us, gives us his spirit, and now we act different. We talk different because we are different. In marriage, when you understand this relationship with God, that you don't just sit there and go, well, honey, I'll try to be better. I'll try to do more. I'll try to talk more. I'll try to whatever. No, let's understand what God says. So today, the power of the triangle is going to come in with the power of the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you thought about your marriage needed the Holy Spirit? A lot of times we don't. Now let me tell you, are there a lot of bad spirits that get into marriage? Absolutely. We start listening to the wrong voices. But God designed for the Spirit to be an integral part in our marriage. And you say, Randy, I I just don't believe that. Great. I like people that are following along. Let me let me convince you with God's word. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Malachi 2, so maybe you can see it up front. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you. But watch what God tells us in Malachi chapter 2. He says, This Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Now notice what we talked about last week. He's going back to God as the creator. He's going back to the fact we didn't get here on our own. God created us, okay? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Notice there are two things that start to go wrong in our marriage. And the first one is this. We are faithless. To God. We are faithless to God. That's why the Scriptures tell us not to be unequally yoked together. That means to come alongside of. If you were a farmer back in the day, you know, you didn't have the tractors and all the great things we have today, you would take two ox, and you would put them side by side, and you would try to find them that were evenly height. Evenly strength, evenly built, so when they pull, they pull together as one. You would not want a full-blooded, strong ox next to a yearling. He can't pull the same way, so it's going to be uneven, it's going to be unequal. You wouldn't want to put one that leans to one side and the other, and they start going in opposite directions. The significance is that you're going in the same direction. Church, marriage is a God thing. So since marriage is a God thing, we have to have a relationship with him by faith, and that comes through Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we have to understand with marriage is to make sure we're in Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're here today and you're just trying to go through marriage and go through life on your own wit, on your own skills, then can I tell you and I promise you, you're going the wrong direction. The only way is in Jesus Christ, confessing your sin to him and following him as Savior. So here he talks about you've gone faithless to God, but this passage goes on to say in the next slide, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. Here's that unequally yoked. God told them to marry of their own. It wasn't, let me just dispel this, it wasn't so they wouldn't be interracial. It was because they would be in a religion. They would have other gods. And so God said, do not marry these people because they're going to take you away from me. They're going to get you going after false gods. That's exactly what happened. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. The people of Israel were like, God, we feel like you're not close to us. We feel like we're offering, we're doing these things, but you're not accepting it. And God said, that's because you have broken your covenant with me and you're going after other gods. You're trying to come to me and do what you want, but then you're also trying to hold on to these other gods. And church, if God is truly at the top of your marriage, if God is truly first in your life, then your relationship with your wife will grow. Let me show you from the power of the triangle. If the husband grows closer to the Lord... He's repenting. He's allowing God to change him. The wife as well grows closer to the Lord. Let me ask you a question Who are they also closer to? Each other. Notice the distance here now shortens. The way that you draw closer to your wife or your husband is by drawing closer to God. Trying to do it any other way, it may work temporarily. Just like sin is fun for a season, but the price begins to be required. But when you both are going closer to God, then you're drawing closer to each other. God brings this out in the next passage. It goes on to say in Malachi chapter 2, and the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offerings or accepts it with favor from your hand. And you say, why does he not? It's kind of like, why wouldn't he? They're blind to this reason. He says, because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth. Notice, because the Lord, God, was witness between the husband and the wife. When he says the wife of your youth, it means your first wife, the one that you married, the one that you had a covenant with. God was a witness. God is a testifier of that. God is a part. And we're going to see even more of that in just a minute. And he says, to whom you have been faithless. So not only are we guilty of being faithless to God, we're guilty of being faithless to our spouse. And it works both ways, not just for the men, but for the women. Because your faith was lacking in your relationship with God, it has now affect your faith with your spouse. You are not acting like God to your spouse. You're acting like yourself. You're acting like your selfish, prideful self. And church, unfortunately, we don't have to look very hard to see that. Unfortunately, it has almost kind of become a rarity to see a good one. And when we do, we're like, wow. Look at that, look at what, look at, they actually have a great marriage. God intended this for every marriage. So I want to dispel this lie from the beginning. If you're sitting there going, this will never work in my marriage, that's a lie of the enemy. It will if you'll follow God. Because God designed it this way. But it goes on to say, and the second thing you do, let me go back to that. When I catch that last part, do you mean been faithless? Though she is your companion and your wife, by what covenant? What does God say about your relationship? It is a covenant from God Himself. Now go to the next slide. Did He not make them one? Remember, the two become one. How? with a portion of the Spirit in their union. When you got married, God's Spirit bound the two of you together, and in His eyes, you are one. You say, but it doesn't feel like we're one. It doesn't feel like that. Well, let's get back to faith. Faith changes feeling. When you are obedient by faith, it changes the result. And so he says at the end, the very last sentence, so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Church, so many times we try to guard ourselves by, okay, I got to make sure. She's looking to see if I do the dishes. I got to make sure to do the dishes. Come on, Randy, do the dishes. And I said, I got I to make sure that, that I, I have this done because last time that was a point of contention, so I got to make sure I have that done. And isn't it ironic that we struggle with the same thing in our relationship with God? Sometimes we feel like God is up there with a lightning bolt going, mess up one more time, Randy, and it's coming down. So I sit there and go, okay, God, i got to make sure I go to church on Sunday. God, i got to make sure that I... And we do it out of obligation. If we don't understand the part of guarding our spirit, we do it out of obligation. And that never lasts. And some of you know, because maybe in your, in your marriage, you've tried different things, and for a while, it's good, because you can do anything for a while, but then it wears off. And so God says, hey, here's what you need to get back to. You need to get back to following my spirit. Don't do what you think is right. Don't do what you want to do, because again, we have that old nature, that flesh, and many times... We just inflict harm. Let me give you this this phrase. Hurt people hurt people. Here it's an adjective. Here it's a verb. If you're hurt... If you're struggling in your life, if you're struggling in your relationship with God, then guess what you're going to do to your spouse? You're going to inflict hurt on them. You're going to be angry. You're going to be impatient. You're going to be all those things that cause problems. Hurt people hurt people. And here's what happens we think that's the way it has to be. And guys, I want to tell you something. I'm tired of the hurt, aren't you? I'm tired of seeing people that are hurting and thinking there's no way out. So let me give you the opposite of this. Blessed people blessed people. I would rather follow God in faith and have his blessing on my life and then with my wife that she gets the blessing, not the cursing. She gets what God intended for marriage to be rather than what I think it ought to be. And so Malachi gets our attention and he shows us what God says about marriage. That it has to deal with an an attitude of faith. We have to walk by faith with God. And then watch that faith breathe life into our marriage. Because faith follows spirit. Faith follows spirit how do we come to God by faith scriptures tell us without faith it is impossible to please God faith follows spirit so you say well Randy I, I get that and things but does it really make a difference I mean after all this is Old Testament I mean do we really have to listen to Old Testament well isn't it funny how in marriage Old Testament says the same thing New Testament does because God hasn't changed his opinion. But lest you have that argument in your mind, let me take you to 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. It doesn't say live with your wives in a way that makes sense to you. It says live with your wives in an understanding way. Get to know her. Get to see her as God sees her. So likewise... Live with her in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Okay? Sometimes, ladies go, I don't care for that part that says the weaker vessel. See, that just showed me, the people. Are like, he must have been reading my mind. Go back to our principle. Who did God make first? Man. Then he made woman from man. This sign of showing as a weaker vessel does not mean that a woman is inferior to man. No, because he goes on to say, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, they are together with you. Not like this, with you. With you. Husbands, your wife is with you. Not behind you, not underneath of you, with you. And guys, when you start to understand God said it is not good for man to be alone, you better hold fast to that that lady you call your wife and be like, God has something for me. Because he does. You might be saying, but Randy, you don't know my wife. Well, I'm gonna tell you in a minute, you're gonna see why that doesn't work. You hold fast to your wife. Remember how I said, cleave to each other? They are joint heirs together of the grace of life. Now, the sentence could end there. We could put a period and go on, but it doesn't. He says, lest you think it doesn't really matter to God, unless you think this is God just giving you some marital advice, look at what he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, wives, if your relationship is not following after God, Husbands, if you're not loving your wives as Christ loved the church, wives, if you're not submitting unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, if you are refusing to come together in faith and follow the Spirit, here's what God says. Your prayers are hindered. Isn't that what happened back in Malachi? They were complaining, God, you're not receiving our offerings. You're not receiving our sacrifices. Why? He says, because you're not functioning in marriage as I have designed it to be. And until you do, your prayers are hindered. Our prayers are hindered if our relationship is not right. So do you think God takes your marriage seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's something even more beautiful with that. In Ecclesiastes, it gives us this description. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says this, 2 are better than one okay two are better than one if you're here with your spouse look at them and say two are better than one now let me ask you do you believe that because there's times where you're like I think I'd be better without them two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. But to make this point of the power of the triangle, notice what he says in verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. you got somebody that covers your back, right? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you do marriage God's way, there is power and there is strength. Remember, it is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will give to him woman. And the two of them together, I will now unite in marriage so that the husband would leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one. See, it's a God thing. A two-quarted string is good, but a three-quarted string is power. And church, if you're trying to live your marriage without God, you'll have some good things, you'll have some good times, but you won't have the power as when you unite in God. But remember, I I alluded to it earlier. What happens if if your husband's a rascal? He's just ornery, cantankerous, You're still trying to figure out why you said I do. Husbands, what if your wife has become mean? What if she has become distant? What if she's not the same woman that you married? What am I supposed to do then? Shop around. No, just kidding, you don't do that. I'm just making sure you guys are still with me. What do you do? You love like Jesus. John 15, 12 says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Did Jesus save me because I was an awesome human? And he's like, man, listen, I would be foolish not to save Randy. No. He saved me even while I was an enemy. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love him because he first loved us. So what does it look like? What does it mean to love like Jesus? Well, let's go back to the triangle. Because like I said, when you guys were first dating, because now maybe there's a few here, but I doubt it. I don't think there was any arranged marriages. Nobody forced you to marry, did they? didn't have a shotgun wedding. You married because this person is someone you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. At one point, you got it. But it could have been just simply, hey, she's awesome. Hey, he's amazing. Let's get married. And then what happens when that starts to die off and marriage isn't fun anymore? You start to have kids. That's right, go ahead. Kids change everything. See, when kids come to life, they're like, we made your life so much better. Mm Mm-hmm. You keep going that direction. It changes everything, right? It changes. Because now you have to take the ball games and schools, and you got kids that cry and keep you up at night, and you don't get the sleep that you want. Listen, if you want to know how selfish you are, have kids. It'll show you real quickly how selfish you are. And all of a sudden, life changes. And now, we don't enjoy being together anymore. So now when I look at my wife, or the wife looks at the husband, they go, "I, I just it doesn't do anything for me anymore. I just don't think I love you anymore." And guys, let's just be real and be honest. That can happen, can it? Because life is hard. So how do we fix it? As a husband, I love my wife through God. Isn't that what Ephesians 5 tells me? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So even when my wife may be struggling, even when she may not be acting right, even when she may be acting like the devil, I love her through Jesus. And wives, what does he say to you? Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You love your husbands through Jesus. That changes things. Because now, my flesh is not naturally drawn to that because things between us changed. They got difficult. And maybe one person really did start acting differently. You love through God. Jesus goes on to say, in fact, in the first part of 1 Peter 3, he says to the wife, if you are saved and your husband is not saved, let him see Jesus in you so that he will come to me. Love through God. How in the world do you do that? The power... the spirit faith engages the spirit instead of following the flesh and saying i'm done i'm gone no i follow the spirit because how in the world back to this before my wife ever came in how in the world did i ever have a relationship with god because god sent jesus to pay the price for my sin. When I heard the gospel, the Spirit moved in my spirit and said, you need to be saved. I responded and I followed the Spirit to Jesus, to God. And the same thing that works in my salvation works in my marriage, by following the Spirit. And even when your spouse is difficult to love and even when everybody says, you know, you're entitled to be mad, you're entitled to be upset, Love like Jesus. Let them see Jesus in you. And I wish I had time to share with you testimony after testimony in in Kathy and I's marriage, in other people's marriage, where you get to those points where you're like, man, it is tough, it is struggling, what is going on? And then you sit there and you come back and you get it and you renew your relationship with God and you confess any sin and you come together and you just say, God, We come to you as one through the power of your spirit and we love each other that way. Because you know what? When that happens, I don't have to remind myself to do dishes. I don't have to remind myself to tell my wife I love her. I don't have to remind myself because it naturally flows out of me. What does that look like? Because you say, Randy, it it looks like it's awful hard. It is. It is. Because we're asking, we're being asked by God to crucify the flesh, even in our marriage, and follow the Spirit. That's always a battle. So it's hard. But here's why I want to give you hope and give you encouragement, that when you are obedient and you exercise that faith, what's hard becomes blessed. What's hard then yields the blessing. And I want to take you to the Song of Solomon, okay? Look at how Solomon talks to his wife. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. Wives, when's the last time your husband talked to you like that? And you said, except when he gives me a Hallmark card, never. Now, am I saying, guys, we gotta talk like that? No. But sometimes, men, we talk we talk more eloquently of our cars than we do our wives. Or our jobs or our accomplishments. You have no problem talking about yourself. But then when it comes time to talk to your wife and you say to your wife, I just have a hard time finding the words. Do you see how we get distanced from God and it causes distance with our spouse? But guys, just so we're not on the hook, wives, here's how she responds to him. She says, "I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell you or tell you that you tell him, I am sick with love." Now guys, sometimes here's how we would interpret that if it was our wife speaking. That you tell him, "I am sick and tired of him being gone and not being here. You tell him to get home now." No. She was so in love with Him that when He was not with her, it literally made her feel sick. Why is that important? Because the two become one with God. And to remove part of that is to effect great change. When I was younger, There was an older couple in our community back in Indiana that this couple had been married 65 years. It's a long time. But during the the funeral, they put a chair up by the casket, and the gentleman sat next to his wife in the casket, and the whole time he held her hand. Now, some of you may say, eww, I'm not touching a dead person. When that's your beloved, you do. And he just sat there the whole time, and people would come by and express their condolences and say, oh, we're we're so sorry she's gone. We know you loved each other deeply. And he never took his eyes off of her, and he would just shake his head in recognition, but he just kept looking at her. After the visitation time, they were finishing up, and they they told the guy, they said, we we need to, to close up. You need to tell her goodbye and he went up to tell her goodbye and he dropped over dead his heart truly was broken guys i wish with everything in me i could tell you all marriages are like that but guys we settle so much for the cheap version of what the devil says Well, we say, well, I don't beat her, so I'm a pretty good husband. Well, I haven't cheated on him, so I'm a pretty good wife. God has called us to far more than that. And although I wish I could tell you every marriage that I knew of was like that, I can tell you this, every marriage can be like that. Because marriage is a God thing, it can be a good thing. But both have to be willing to sacrifice their will, their pride, their self, and follow the spirit and draw closer to God, therefore coming closer to each other. Proverbs 18:21 says this: "Words have power to give life or death. Choose carefully. Husbands, just think of this past week. How have you spoken to your wife? Have you given words of life, words of affirmation, words of blessing? Or have you been hateful, angry, prideful? Wives, what kind of words have you spoken to your husbands? Have you encouraged them? Have you come alongside and said, hey, it may look like everybody's against you, but I'm behind you 100%. Words have power to give life or death. And these words that Solomon spoke showed that it had that purpose. But now I want to give you a test. I want to give you a test. Let's see what your marriage looks like. Let's see what your relationship looks like. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, says this is what love is. And before we read it, I want you to think about in your, in your marriage, in your relationship, Is this true of you? Don't worry about your spouse right now. You take care of you and watch how your spouse responds. What about this description is not true of you? And would you commit to God to changing it? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Is that a description of the love between you and your spouse? If not, then you need to get back. You need to come back and you need to confess. You need to come back and say, God, I want to follow you. God, I don't want to keep going down this path. God, I want to yield my life to you. And God, I want to follow you so that our marriage is going towards you, God. Not going the way that I think it should because that's pride, that's arrogancy and that's not what love is. If your marriage is not filled with the Spirit, it'll be filled with hurt, with loss, with emptiness, with regret. And guys, God did not design marriage to be that way. Remember, it is not good that man should be alone. The opposite of that is it is very good. The same word there that he used when he created everything. It is good that man be with a woman, that man have a spouse. So where do we go from here? Well, first of all, you gotta confess any sin. You gotta get things right between you and God. What is it? Are you prideful, are you arrogant, are you lustful, are you whatever? God, I need to get those things confessed. I need to get those right because again, if I'm gonna follow the spirit, I've gotta make sure that I don't have any sin. Then I've got to to fix that relationship with my spouse, because if not, then our prayers are hindered. So I confess any sin, then I come and I say, okay, God, by faith, I'm going to follow you. Even when it's hard, even when I don't see a way through, God, by faith, I'm going to follow you. And then, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? Ephesians 5 says this, don't be drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the spirit of God. And then you watch what happens in your wife's life, in your husband's life, and you see the difference. Church, I declare here today, upon the authority of God's Word, marriage is a God thing, but he meant for it to be a good thing. And if you're here and your marriage is not in that realm, would you please follow the Spirit and change it? Would you please be obedient? It's hard at the beginning, but the rewards are well worth it. And if you're here and you're not married, man, would you commit to God? God, I want to have standards of what I'm looking for in a spouse because I want marriage to be a good thing because it's a God thing. And if you're here and and you are hurting from a, a previous marriage and all the things that went there, Can I encourage you to give those hurts and things to God and say, God, would you help me to understand what a marriage should be so that when you bring someone to me, I can understand that and I can know what it is to have a good thing. Church, let's love like Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. It's true personally, but it is equally true in marriage. Father, thank you for the truth that you've given. Thank you for the hope that is given Father, we have believed the enemy's lies too long. We have settled in our marriages. In many cases, we get to a point where we're just getting through, we're just surviving. Oh, but Father, would you help us to see that you designed it to be a good thing? That which would hold us together, that which, when we are tempted, when we are tested, when we are persecuted, that we have that spouse to hold on to and to follow Jesus with. So Father, would you fill us with your spirit today? Would you fill our marriages with your spirit and let us get back focused on God and following him by faith? For it's in Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Church, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, let me invite you today. He came for you. He loved you that He came to take your sin on the cross so that you could have forgiveness. And if you'll confess Him today as your Savior and confess your sins to Him, He says He will save you. It can happen today, you just have to believe. But church, how's your marriage? What is it in your marriage that God's calling you to? Whatever it is, whatever level, can I encourage you by faith to take that step of commitment, can I encourage you by faith that you would say, Lord, I follow you. Lord, I trust you. And I want our marriage to be filled with your spirit. Maybe some of you need to grab your spouse's hand and say, let's go. I want our marriage to be an example to others. I want our kids to see it. I want our communities to see it because I want this good thing that God has called us to and I no longer want to settle for mediocre I want God's blessing you have to act on that and when the team sings I would encourage you to come to this place just as you came down the aisle in front of all the witnesses to declare your love and declare your marriage let me encourage you just to come to this place and to say we're dedicating our marriage to God we're following him And we're asking God to fill our marriage with His Spirit. If there's anything that we can help you with, there's a connection card in front of you, please fill that out. We want to pray with you. We want to join with you. You can put it in the bucket. You can give it to the folks at Next Steps. But church, we have to decide if we are going to love like Jesus through the power of His Spirit. It's there. He's waiting. We have to decide what will be your decision today.